set. Um, so, as you all know, uh, Pastor Eric is uh, on vacation, and uh, this summer uh, gives opportunities for uh, some of the leadership to preach. And so, uh, I have been invited to preach today on First Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, so, if you would, um, just uh, pray with me. Uh, dear God, thank you for tonight, and thank you for this community, and thank you for a day where we can come together wherever we're at with you, God. Some of us uh, believe in you. We know that you are there, and uh, our faith is, is strong. Uh, some others of us, we are not so sure about you, God, and um, we are here because we want to open our hearts to whatever you might have to say to us. Um, and some of us are right in between. We are uh, familiar with you, God. We, uh, we feel your presence, and yet uh, we long for more. And so wherever we fall on that, uh, that spectrum, uh, God, I ask that you would open our ears, uh, not just to what is said, but to what you are trying to say, God. And uh, in the way that things are said, God, I ask that those will just skip right off the atmosphere and... Uh, we could hear uh, a good message from you that is uh, fueled by your spirit, God, and uh, that we could uh, communicate well with each other to grow deeper towards a uh, good relationship with you, God. So would you, uh, would you guide my words, and would you open our ears to what you have to offer us? And I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so... I was watching the the videos of uh, some others uh, who have preached the last few weeks, and I couldn't help but think about, you know, like late 1990s um, like music videos with the, the the little earpiece thing, and I just couldn't get myself to do it. So I'm gonna rock this handheld, if that's okay. Um, I hope you all can hear me okay. Um, I also asked Mark to introduce me, which he didn't, which is fine, um, because I was also hoping that he wouldn't say things like, if you're not following along with Corey, just give him a thumbs up and nod, which Anna's uh, typically really good at, and she's like right in the center of my vision. So, um, you know, my, my hope is that, you know, we can, we can hear what, what God has to offer us, um, and you don't, have to, you don't have to lie to me if you're bored. <laughs> um, so we're going uh, to be... Um, taking a, a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, it starts uh, in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So it's interesting that Paul, so this is a letter from Paul to the church of Thessalonica, that he would say something like, I don't need to remind you of this, but I'm going to remind you anyway. I always thought that folks that, that talk like that kind of had this backhanded approach to um, saying what they wanted to say, but they also wanted to get away with it at the same time. Um, and I don't really take, um, I don't take Paul for a type of character like that, somebody that is going to be really subtle and backhanded. I think he really does want to remind us that... Um, that the day of the Lord is coming. 
and he, he says it's like a thief in the night. So I have a question for you. Uh, when is the best time to rob somebody? When they're not home? During the day when they're at home? Out for coffee? When they're dead? Samantha, you were robbed, so you know. Yeah. Um, so I want to argue that the best time uh, to rob somebody is when they're all having dinner at home. Because there's uh, noise happening in the house. Uh, if there's a, a door that closes across the house, you may not really give it a second thought because, you know, it could be somebody in your family. And everybody is also gathered towards the, the living room uh, or, or the dining room, rather. Not the living room where their TV is or their uh, laptop computer. And um, I, I think that, uh, that Paul really does uh, want to focus on the, the dangers of um, of the Lord coming in a really really um, secretive time, a time that you really wouldn't expect. Like maybe you left for the house and you think, well, maybe my house is going to get robbed because I'm not home, or did I lock my door? And nobody thinks, oh, I'm setting dinner on the dinner table now. Um, you know, maybe I should check the TV once in a while to see, if, to see if it's still there. That's not a thought that we have. And so I think that Paul is trying to open us up to being aware of robbery in the least likely of times. Now, I think that Paul is also talking to two categories of people in reminding, uh, reminding us of the day of the Lord. One is the deniers, the people that say that Christ isn't coming back. Um, so if you'll turn with me, or maybe you just listen along to... Um, the, the parable of the rich fool, which is in Luke chapter 12. And it goes like this. Someone in the, uh, it's, uh, it's chapter 12, verse 13 and on. Someone in the crowd said to him, talking to Jesus, uh, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Uh, So when Jesus says, this night, this very night your life will be demanded from you, I think he's saying, tonight you're going to die. And it's really not worth saving all of this grain, building these bigger barns, because there will be no payoff. And... um, I think that to the deniers in Thessalonica, um, those folks are not believing in the resurrection. They think that when they die, that's the end of the story. Perhaps they're saving up their grains to leave a a good inheritance to the next generation. Um, But Paul, I think, is talking about being rich with God. The other category of people is the extremists, the folks that say, Christ is coming back any second. Repent. It's 2012. I don't know if you remember back in 2012, that was like the big thing. Uh, there was a movie about it. I think it was called 2012. And there was somebody on the radio that said, you know, we've, we've narrowed it down or the Mayans have narrowed it down. Um, 
So there is the deniers and there's extremists. And so Paul is talking to both sides, but I think especially the folks uh, in the church, um, they, they had a pretty good sense of, of where they at, were at with God. Um, and so he kind of talks to the middle ground. And so he, um, he says, you know, the day of the Lord is upon us, even in the very mundane of our lives. And, you know, I've always had this illusion that, you know, we kind of have church and we kind of have everything else. We have this sacred and secular separation. And then as I matured, and I'm not certainly not claiming maturity, but as I matured, uh, I thought that uh, the secular and the sacred had some slight overlaps. And, and now what I think that uh, Paul is trying to tell us is that the sacred and the secular are one. Even if you have no job or a very boring life or a very boring job, you sit at a desk, you don't talk to anybody, even if you think your work is super boring or super meaningless, I think Paul is trying to say that everything is meaningful. All the types of work that we do is meaningful, even if it's not a job. And so I think he's talking to our calling. So he's saying live life as a blessing wherever God has you today. And, and I think that applies to, like, legitimately today, tonight. Here we are at church. Uh, our kids are all running around. We're about to have dinner together. Um, the day of the Lord is, is on us. It might, it might be tonight. So how is that going to change things? Uh, well, I think uh, it, it speaks to our calling. And our calling is to live in the light. And we'll, we'll get to that uh, later on in the verse. And tomorrow's direction, if we're really curious about what our, what our calling is in life, it, it becomes clearer as we follow this calling today, to be present, to be aware that um, tonight may very well be the, the night that Jesus comes back. Um, another, another verse I want to talk about is, is a, a psalm. It's just, a, you don't have to flip to it. It's th- Psalm 37. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. So if you were, um, if you're paying attention to uh, last week's sermon uh, that Michael and Ron gave, they, they talked about showing up. And I think a part of showing up, and I, I struggle with this, is to just let your desires be known. To just say, God, this is, these are the things that I want. I want a job, or I want a better job, or I want my marriage to be better, or I want to be married. And, um, you know, the, the psalmist says that, uh, I think it's David that wrote this song, that the desires of your heart will align with Jesus's. I don't know if you remember that movie Christmas Vacation when they're visiting Rusty, um, like the really goofy brother or uncle, and uh, he says, you know, I've been out of work for seven years, and the wife says, well, he's really holding out for a management position. I think that, I think that God is not calling us to this uh, passive style of life. I think instead God is calling us towards a life like Joseph where he really, he had it going on up until his brothers sold him into slavery. He was in captivity. He faced loneliness and imprisonment, starvation. He was framed. And then all along the journey, he was still faithful to God. He preached in a, in a, in a, um, in a prison and he was the, the second-hand man to Pharaoh. 
And all along that journey, he said, okay, this is where God has me, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to affirm that I am a child of the light. Um, So this is an example of showing up. And I think that this is so much more than just carpe diem, uh, seize the day. I think that it's both uh, uh, carpe diem and also uh, uh, live in the moment and remember who you are. And Paul will talk a little bit about identity uh, here in a second. So verse uh, 3 says, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So this is when I tell you in very animated detail the story of my daughter's birth. Um, But instead, I'm not going to do that, but I thought about it. (laughs) Eric told me I'm free to do it if I can do it in an honoring way. Um, So I'll talk a little bit about it, uh, but not in the ways that you might expect. Um, So I invite you to try, try this. Try saying peace and safety in the midst of the worst part of your wife's labor. It's a really, really bad idea. You will not escape the fallout of this. And it even says, and they will not escape right here in the scripture. Um, so I think really this is an invitation to stay awake. Um, and um, when Eric had sent out the list of sermons uh, from which to preach, this one was titled Wake Up. And I really like that. Uh, that invitation to wake up. And I think the whole gospel of Mark is an invitation to wake up, and especially this little verse. Um, so I want to actually tell you a story about, uh, I think when Colleen and I had first started going to the village, we were hoping to like kind of be discipled by somebody or, or another couple. And so we kind of we were asking Eric and Sue if they would disciple us. And then I thought, well, who's discipling them? And he said, well, it's, Eric said, somebody that's 10 or 15 years older than us. And I said, well, who's discipling them? And he said, well, somebody 10 or 15 years older than them. And so I I started wanting to be like Eric and Sue. I wanted to be like John and Patty. And I was reflecting on this verse thinking, well, what is it going to take for me to be like John and Patty? What's it going to be like for me to, what's it going to take for me to live that life? And I feel like the answer from this verse is to stay awake in all times, the good times and the bad times, the easy and the hard, uh, you know, all of those things that we say at weddings, uh, those things are are so hard to abide by and also so good. And when I realized what it would be, what it would take to, to live those kind of lives, it's 20 years or 30 years of staying awake. That is what is required. And it starts today. If you feel like you have lived a passive life, you can say today, I'm going to have this verse wash over me and I'm going to start living the life that I want to live. Here are some ways you can pursue being awake. You can go to women at the well. You can sign up for a pilgrim group. You can go to monastic community. You can go to retreats. You can help somebody move. You can go to a wedding. You can go to this week's date night. I'm serious about this week's date night. What? Yes, with your own spouse, not with somebody else's spouse. (laughs) Verse (laughs) 4. Well, I mean... That would be confusing. You're right. (laughs) So verse 4 says this, says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons and daughters of the light and sons and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night 
or to the darkness. Now, I want to just make a quick clarification, that first sentence, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Uh, so Paul is emphasizing you should, you should not be surprised. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one, but the Pat Benatar song came to mind. Uh, I, I almost... Uh, decided to play a video of it, but we belong to the, we belong to the light. Like, couldn't justify we belong to the thunder. So I'm just going to talk about how we belong to the light. But I think Pat Benatar was right, uh, and Paul confirms that our identity. And and Paul says we we belong to the light, which includes himself, and he has identified himself as the worst sinner of them all. So I think he's referring to you. He's referring to me, despite our sin and our secrets and our faults. He's inviting us to the light. Another way we can pursue being awake is we can avoid drunkenness. We can pursue sobriety. Um, you know, I, I have really struggled to uh, sleep. For some of you that know me, I, uh, I'm a sleepwalker. I'm a, uh, I suffer from nightmares. And it has been a, a really long battle with sleep. And so when I hear about being awake, I, I think, oh, well, easy, because I wake up. 10 or 20 times a night. So uh, that's not really a big problem. But actually, uh, forgive me for uh, maybe over-spiritualizing this, but I think that there is such thing as a spiritual sleepwalking. And, you know, for a long time, I didn't really bring the stressors or the stresses in my life that were causing me to struggle with sleep and to struggle with nightmares. I wasn't bringing that to God. And so I was, I was spiritually sleepwalking. Um, So then, let us not be like the others, this is verse 6, who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. This is not an invitation to drink during the day. Um, But I I have certainly struggled with uh, drunkenness, and and I'm not just talking about uh, with alcohol. I've struggled with feeling drunk on, on lies. Um, I have wasted a lot of time searching for ways to make more money and, and worrying about paying bills instead of trusting God with my finances, trusting God with my life, trusting him with my house and my family and making sure our bills get paid. And that does something for me. Like I feel drunk or I feel intoxicated or taken over when I try to fight for myself and say, no, you know what, God, I have this under control. I can, I can figure this out on my own. And that's just not true. And that, that serves a purpose, like that fills a void. And this, this verse, uh, I think, is saying, you know, we are children of the light. We are people of the light. And when you choose to get drunk on lies or you or get drunk on whatever whatever is your poison then um then you start slipping out of that definition of children of the light um so when i think about times that i have slept walked not just uh literally slept walked when i think about times that i have felt drunk I, I was unprepared. So what if that was the, the day that Jesus was meant to return? What if that was when a beautiful and transformative moment in my community was meant to take place? I think that would be really disappointing. Uh, I think Jesus would be really disappointed. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 
All right, so I really, really liked uh, show up and shut up, uh, something that Michael brought up last week. And I wanted to add something to that. I wanted to add gear up. Uh, I don't know if you've seen those action movie montages where, uh, you know, whatever the bat signal uh, is up and they're like, oh, there's danger. Gear up. Yeah, what? Yeah, suit up. And so they, like, start throwing all their gear on, and you hear, like, rifles loading and zippers zipping. Um, I, that's what I want to emphasize. If you have no takeaway from tonight, it's gear up. Then don't spend the first act, don't, don't spend the, the, the first chapter putting on all of your gear. Uh, so before uh, my daughter was born, Colin and I attended this birthing class for three months, once a week for three months. And we read this long book and we practiced the whole birthing, uh, process. And I thought that that was good gear. I thought that was good, uh, armor or good weaponry to have in preparation for Kate's birth. And I also believed that my wife might die during uh, childbearing, and my baby might die because there's so much uncertainty. So when Kate was being born, um, I I was a mess, and I I sobbed a lot of it, and I was very unhelpful, and I didn't know what to do because I was really worried, and I didn't have the right gear on. I didn't have the gear of faith. And hope. I didn't believe that God was going to take care of me when the worst um, uh, possible scenarios were running through my mind. Uh, so the gear of faith and hope in that moment would have been that God will take care of me, that death is not the victor. Death is not going to win. And that and drunkenness and Satan's lies, they, they don't serve a lasting purpose. So I look back on that day, and I... And I I think that I really failed myself or I really failed the, the greater spiritual narrative in my life that God said, you know, Corey, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. I'm going to take care of you even if your baby is sick or your wife, uh, you know, has a, has a big problem during uh, birth. And, and I just fell apart. Um, but uh, in, in verse 9, Paul says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So a few ways on gearing up. How can you, how can you gear up? Well, I f- certainly feel a lot more ready for baby number two. Not because I know what not to do in the delivery room. Well, not only because I know what not to do, but because I think really of this, uh, the, the book, uh, this, this letter to the Thessalonians. Um, so how, how do you reflect on gearing up? Uh, prayer, reading scripture, and singing worship. Uh, how do you practice it? You get involved in your community, and you offer love despite our brokenness, and you receive love despite your brokenness. This confirms our identity as people of the light. Even if you don't feel like you deserve it, practicing it is a demonstration of your identity. A more radical approach would be to uh, take communion and to make a public declaration to the community that you belong to the light. Um, you can seek prayer. You can seek prayer in the healing chair. You can confess uh, your sins. You can confess the dark things in your life that are hunting you. You can become a member of this church. You can declare, I belong. This chapter says you belong. So 
even if you don't belong, this chapter isn't going to change. Here's another radical example of things you can do to, get, um, to, to say I belong. You can buy a house. You can buy a house close by and you can settle into messy relationships. And <laughs> so it's funny because it's really uncomfortable to settle into messy relationships. But when we do, we can do some self-evaluation. How are we spiritually sleepwalking? How are we spiritually drunk? Verse 10 says, He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So, I almost, said, I almost went with build up because build up is right there in verse 11. But I decided to stick with gear up because gear up is a daily practice. You have to every day put on the armor of faith and hope. And I know that all of us, not all of us are morning people. My wife is a morning person. She's a, she does a really good job of setting her alarm and doing the things she needs to do while I snooze. But this, I think, is a call to be a morning person for God. They call it dead tired and they call it wasted for a reason. What a bummer it'd be if Jesus came back and we were snoozing. What a bummer it would be if Jesus came back and we were drunk. What a bummer it would be, be- it would be if Jesus came back and we were consumed with the lies that we weren't going to be taken care of by the God of the whole universe. That'd be a huge bummer. I really want Jesus' response to be like it was in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Wouldn't that be awesome if tonight Jesus came back and he looked you in the eye and he said, well done, good and faithful, faithful servant? That would be amazing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 also says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This does not say live life perfectly. This does not say fix everything in your life that is broken. It is saying make a choice today so that when Jesus comes back, he sees where your heart is. And when your community says, hey, where is your heart? You can say, this is where it is. It may be broken. It may be crumbling. It may be dust. It may also be turning away from the things that have bound us, drunkenness and lies and laziness and getting caught in like Rusty's uh, seven-year work drought because he's holding out for uh, something that may never come. Uh, When Paul uses the word uh, build up, it's uh, oikodomeo. uh, It's like to build up a house, but it's in the present tense. Uh, So the way that he means it is to continue to maintain. So for those of you that own a home or have ever um, lived in a property property that you have to maintain, it's a constant and never-ending process. And so he means to continue to maintain your relationship with God by being well-equipped. If you have a leak in your roof and you have to go to the hardware store during uh, a monsoon, your house is going to get flooded. But if you have the right patch or you have the right thing for your roof, then you are well-equipped. You have already geared up. So encourage each other. So show up and shut up and gear up. (laughs) 
Um, so I work as a, I work as a chaplain, and it, it's never it's never really a good time to uh, go up to a person who may be on uh, his or her deathbed and start asking them about all of the. I, the leaks in their proverbial roof. You know, it, it's it's not my place to say. You know, you have all your ducks in a row. Are you appropriately geared up for what is about to come? That is not my responsibility. Um, William Barclay has uh, has this quote when um, talking to an old Scotsman who uh, was near the end of his life. Someone offered co- uh, comforting words to him, and he said. I think at my house when the weather was warm, which means I thatched my house when the weather was warm. So if a call comes suddenly, it shouldn't find us unprepared. So that man had taken care of the things that he had taken, needed to take care of before he was ready to pass away. Uh, so back to the day that my daughter was born, I did not know that she was going to be born that day. But this nurse did, and she kept saying things like, you are strong, you are doing it. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to Colleen. Um, <laughs> but she was, she was an amazing demonstration of being prepared. I mean, she, she didn't know that we were coming. We didn't call ahead. She, she may have expected that there would be a couple uh, or, or a mom in labor because she's a labor and delivery nurse, but... There's no way that she could have predicted exactly what was about to happen. But she was ready for us when we arrived unannounced. So I think about that nurse when I feel especially surrounded by um, you guys. When you have said to me, hey, hey, Corey, is everything going okay in your life? Are, are, you, are you prepared? Like if, if God were to show up to you today and say, um, uh, you know, today is the day that, uh, that, I'm, that I'm coming. This is the second coming that you've all been talking about. Uh, I'm, I may not hear him say, well, well done, good and faithful servant. And I really, really want him to. And so uh, my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, is for you to call me out when you sense that there's something going on in my life where um, I'm not adequately geared up. And also challenge you to be open and soft to me or somebody else saying, hey, uh, is everything going okay in your life? Is, is there something that's going on that has you without your gear, without your armor? And I think that will really deepen our relationships and it will, it will deepen our faith and it will deepen our hope in God. So when he does come, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and we will party with Jesus. So I have a, a few minutes for questions if you have any. Um, I liked where you were going with the, as a chaplain with the end of life conversation, it's a very different conversation than the, so there's this like, I, I guess the question is just, I wanted to hear a little bit more from that of like, so we're supposed to be awake and prepared and 
and ready. But then there's also this place where like at the end you don't have all this shame from like all the times where maybe you weren't awake. Um, and maybe just talk about that a little bit more perhaps. Yeah, I don't mind being the being the mic runner, like I am when I'm not teaching. Um, so that's a a really good question and a really hard question to answer. Um, so I feel like I've said two things. I've said one is uh, challenge each other and ask good questions, and the other thing is don't challenge each other and don't ask those questions uh, when somebody is dying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, sure. So when I, when I meet somebody that is dying and that who can speak, I rarely bring up God because a lot of times, most times people will bring up something along the lines of their spiritual journey. And they'll often talk about the ways that they have felt spiritually awake and times that they have felt spiritually um, distracted or asleep. Now we have capacity because we kind of live our daily lives. Not, not, we're not, we're not dying. We have time together and at the same time, maybe not. So I think that it's important to uh, be careful and be kind and also to be curious about maybe things that should be challenged. Maybe there is a conversation that needs to happen the last 10 minutes a person is living. Yeah, I, I feel like I want to I keep thinking about that. I really appreciate that. Might anybody else have a response to that too? I just feel like a lot of times it's just I get to work and I'm I'm in the zone. I'm not thinking about God. I'm not thinking about that I'm a Christian and that he's in control. I forget. And it'd be nice if somebody reminded me, even though I'm resistant to it, <laughs> that, that God has a plan and I'm part of it. And uh, it's not just about what you're doing. That there, You are a Christian, and God is part of your life. And think about that once in a while. I, that's what I really like about um, verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him, which is the gospel of that, right? It doesn't, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Like God's in charge. He's in control. His gospel's greater than whether we're awake or asleep. And so we're called to be awake and we're called to be alert and we're called to be aware. And that's to strive for. But if he catches us asleep, it's not the end of the world. Okay. Got time for one more question.
So ideally, I think of awake as being productive, but sometimes I feel like there's times in my life where the difference between awake and asleep is just that my face is turned towards the light and I can see it and I'm aware of it as opposed to not knowing where the light is. Well, thank you, you guys, for your questions and, uh, and feedback. Um, so there are a few ways to respond to uh, God's word. Um, the first one is uh, communion. Uh, so when, uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it. And um, he said, this is my body broken for you. Uh, take this, eat. Uh, in remembrance of me. And he took the, the cup of wine and he held it up and he said, uh, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Take this and drink of it in remembrance of me. So if you can um, say that you stand with Jesus, um, if you want to um, announce that you are a child of the light, in front of this community, then uh, taking communion is a great way to do that. And if it's your first time, then tell somebody and we'll celebrate with you. Um, Another way to respond is the healing chair, uh, that white chair back there. If you feel like you're in in need of some healing in your life, uh, sit back there. Somebody will notice you and we'll pray for you and then make sure to to follow up with that person uh, during or after dinner. Uh, Another way is offering. So um, this is how we uh, continue to keep the operation moving. If you're a visitor, then uh, there's no expectation to give. Um, And then another way to respond is um, to, to to stay in the sanctuary as you're able to and worship. Um, I know sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of break away during the last part of uh, service. But um, I encourage you to at least uh, sit for a little longer if you can and uh, engage the music and engage the words and also ask God uh, what places you know, maybe he is inviting you to be more awake. <laughs> 